But there was a part of me that said that if God had given me a gift, it's meant to be shared. Um, so I decided to kind of explore publication and what that looked like. And I didn't know if that was the path that God had for me or not. Um, but if I didn't take steps to figure out all of that stuff, then I would never know. So that's kind of how I got into writing for writing books. Yeah. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I know you have a choice as to which podcast to listen to. And so I am always honored when you choose to spend some time with me today. And of course, And at a Writer's Day podcast, we talk about writing tips and listen to interviews with award-winning published authors for inspiration and to learn a little bit more about their stories and their writing journeys. So welcome. And as usual, if you like what you hear, please consider following me, subscribing, letting me know what you think of the episodes, and follow me on Instagram. I have a Writer's Day podcast instagram there so be sure to find me follow me for more information as to who is coming up as a guest on my podcast and you can also leave me a comment let me know what you think i'd love to know and be sure to sign up for my newsletter at artbyruth.com for book giveaways and more information about my upcoming projects including a dragon coloring book coming soon this fall And also, you will receive a PDF copy of my book, Peter and the Dragon Forest, as well as an audio recording of the book that you can listen to with your kids while you're flipping through the pages of the story. It has sound effects and music, and it just makes for great fun. So be sure you visit artbyruth.com today. Before becoming a stay-at-home parent, Amanda Cox spent her time counseling children, families, and individuals through life's challenging moments. And today, she uses those same skills to develop amazing stories and layered characters. And she's best known for her award-winning book, The Edge of Belonging, which was the 2021 Christie Award Book of the Year. Wow, how amazing is that? And Amanda Cox is with me today to talk about her new book. So you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to Amanda talk about He Should Have Told the Bees. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you and your listeners. Oh, great. I'm excited to have you here. Uh, I have been following you on social media for a while, and it dawned on me, I've never chatted with you. So this is great. I'm so excited to have you here. So why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk about your new book. All right. Um, I am from East Tennessee. Um, I am married. It'll be 19 years in October, and we have three children uh, that I homeschool. So they keep me pretty busy during the day running Mm -hmm. around with all of those adventures. (laughs) I'm a nature-loving girl. I keep bees of my own, which is a little bit why I wrote a book about bees. Yeah. (laughs) Or that feature bees. Um, 
But yeah, I like to be outdoors as much as possible. I am ready for this hot summer weather to cool down and for fall to come and do some fall hikes. Oh, in Tennessee. Wow. You definitely do get the fall season out there. Yes, it's very, very beautiful. We So I'm ready for the humidity to go and the fall colors to come. Oh, yes, I can just see it. We used to live in North Carolina and drove through Tennessee on our way back home to uh, Arizona. And that was in October. <laughs> And we had to pull off to the side of the road because it was so beautiful. I had to take all these pictures. I told my husband, this is like postcard stuff. yes, I love it, especially like the eastern <laughs> portion of Tennessee and all the hills and everything with all the fall colors. Yes, yeah, that's where we love were driving it. through. And we just had to stop, take all these pictures, the Smoky Mountains, you know, the mist in the mountains Yes. with all the fall colors. Oh, so beautiful. I envy you. We're, we're getting rid of the heat. here too but we don't get the fall colors so <laughs> Yeah. i'm here in phoenix so i envy you oh how wonderful now how did you get into writing <laughs> though what made you did you always want to be a writer well, I was always a reader. I uh, read everything that I could get my hands on. And when I was seven, eight, nine, that age, I wrote my very first book and illustrated it. And my very supportive parents helped me attempt to get that published. Um, and I got a very nice rejection letter <laughs> from the publisher. But um, from then, that point on, I was pretty much just a reader. And it was kind of one of those writer, like, wow, it would be cool to write a book one day and have books on the shelf. Um, but my background is in professional counseling. Um, and that was my job until uh, my second child was about to be born. And I made the decision that I wanted to spend more time at home. Um, it was a big switch up in schedule for me. Um, so writing was kind of this outlet for me after everybody was asleep to just kind of decompress. And God just laid a story on my heart. And I was like, you know, I just want to see if I can do it. Like, I want to see if I could write a full length novel. Um, and so I started writing it. And then once I finished it, I was kind of like, well, what do I do with it? Um, I am a very... to myself, wallflower kind of person. I really don't like the spotlight very much. So I was pretty comfortable with just taking that and sticking it in a drawer. Um, but there was a part of me that said that if God had given me a gift, it's meant to be shared. Um, so I decided to kind of explore publication and what that looked like. And I didn't know if that was the path that God had for me or not. Um, but if I didn't take steps to figure out all of that stuff, then I would never know. So that's kind of how I got into writing for writing books. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And what was your first book called? Well, this book will probably never see the light of day, that particular one. <laughs> but my Sure. debut novel, which was the second book that I wrote, um, is called The Edge of Belonging. Ooh, neat. I think I have, yeah, I have that one on my shelf. I have not read it yet, but I remember buying it just because of the title and the cover was beautiful. So Oh, yeah, thank I you. do have a couple of your books on my shelf. I do need to get, he should have told the bees though. I need to get that one next, but uh, yeah, wonderful. What are the ages of your children? They are 12, 10, and 8. Ooh, So I have two boys and the girls in the middle. nice. Do they like dragons at all? They, especially, especially my oldest. He's a big fan of dragons, Okay. for sure. I might have to send you copies of my books, though, because they're about dragons and Oh, uh, a coloring book that I did about dragons. So <laughs> Oh, fun. definitely do that for you.
Now, homeschooling. Wow. You are brave. I think that's amazing. Do you have like a special place in your heart to teach them reading and writing since you are a writer? Uh, reading and writing is definitely, you know, very important to me. Um, part of the, what got me started with homeschooling is some of the learning challenges that my oldest has. Um, he struggles with dyslexia, as does his dad. And so for me, like I had this goal in mind that I wanted him to love stories, even though I knew that reading would be hard for him. Reading is work. Um, so I had this really big heart to have him enjoy stories. And he is the biggest reader in my He might read more books than I do um, mm -hmm. because yeah, I, I just really, that was my heart. Um, so we did a lot of reading aloud because that way he could enjoy stories. Um, even though he was old enough to read the stories, it was hard work for him. So we would do a lot of read aloud together so that he could fall in love with stories without it being so challenging for him. Nice. That's a great idea. And so now beekeeper, how did you become a beekeeper? <laughs> I've never interviewed a beekeeper before, so this is great. <laughs> well, I'm an amateur, unlike my uh, professional in my book, but um, I've always been fascinated by bees for a lot of years. And so I have a tendency to take these deep dives into little niche topics to just like find things out. And so I've been toying this idea with this idea of keeping bees for a few years. And then finally I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. It's a very different thing, you know, researching bees online and then purchasing bees and all the equipment and actually having handling bees. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to actually keep bees. I'm not going to daydream about it anymore. Um, so yeah, my daughter was interested too. So I thought it was something that we, we could do together. And she's tends to be my bee photographer because it's hard to take cool pictures of bees while you're handling you know, all the frames of bees. So she'll get in there and take the coolest pictures. So we have a lot of fun doing that together. Oh, neat. Are there various kinds of bees or, or do you just do honeybees or? Yeah, I just have honeybees. But yeah, there's tons and tons of native bees um, in our area. And all of them are important. We tend to focus on honeybees, of protect the honeybees, take care of the honeybees. But like our native bees are really, really important. Hmm, neat. So you're helping nature and do you collect the honey and sell it or is it just for your family? Yeah, just for my family right now. Um, we're still kind of learning and growing through the process. In the future, we might we might do that. We've taught we, we've got plans and ideas, but for now, <laughs> we do for ourselves and we learn a lot. Still, that's amazing. I think you're teaching your kids so much more than you probably realize now. You're giving them an amazing story later on that they can share to their kids and their friends. And uh, that's great. And I find that getting in touch with nature helps. And since you're a counselor, do you, do you find that as well? I think it helps me relieve stress or anxiety. I just sometimes need to get a walk in each day. Do you find that helping out nature helps you as well? Yeah, absolutely. I love going outside and just being outside. It just has a way of just settling and bringing a stillness to my spirit that sometimes, you know, there's all these things bouncing around in my head, all these different elements that I'm trying to balance, but like going outside and breathing fresh air just has a way of settling that down and slowing that down a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I like to take little, I take little walks around my yard. And one day my husband would happen to be home and he was like, um, are you, are you stressed today? And I'm like, well, why do you ask? He's like, well, you've taken like four mini walks 
around the yard. <laughs> like, well, actually, yeah, without puttering around in the garden, because it, it does. It just sort of like, it helps me think clearly sometimes. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I live in the desert southwest, but even sometimes going for a hike in the desert mountains really helps me too. So that's yeah. great. And there is an account on Instagram. I was trying to find it, but I'll let you know when I find it. Uh, a young couple were out walking. They found a bumblebee and she has a broken wing. And so they picked her up, put her in their garden and some flowers. And now it is a, a very popular site where she uh, photographed videotapes, the little bee in the flowers oh, every day. And she cool. named the bee <laughs> Sweet Pea. And so every day I look for the videos of a little sweet pea in the flowers covered with pollen <laughs> and she'll that. even conk out and take a nap and they film her taking a nap. And so it's the sweetest thing. I'll just, once I find the name of that account, I'll send it to you. But I love watching little sweet pea. I am now in love with bees. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's time to learn more about he should have told bees. Tell us about this story and what your inspiration was for it. Sure. So, He Should Have Told the Bees is a book about two women who are named on one man's trust. Uh, one of the women, Beckett Walsh, knows exactly why she was named on that trust because she's been keeping bees alongside her father on their farm her entire life. Um, but she's pretty surprised to find that a stranger is named on the trust along with her. Mm -hmm. um, and Callie Peterson, the other person on the trust, has no idea why she was named on that trust, doesn't have any idea what her connection is um, to Beck's father. So these two women's lives get thrown together in a really unexpected way. Um, and it's really challenging for Beckett because they, you know, she doesn't really know what's going to happen to the farm at this point. And not only is it a place where all of her memories of her father are wrapped up in this place, but it's also come to be the only place that she really feels safe in the world. Uh, she struggle, struggles with agoraphobia. So now that the farm is at risk, it's, you know, very, um, it's really challenging for her to know what to do next. Um, Callie, on the other hand, has never had a stable um, life. Her uh, mother struggles with alcoholism and has been in and out of her life a lot. And so her fight has been to be to find stability. And she's been trying to get that. And every time she thinks she's about to achieve this dream that she has, um, her mom kind of has a way of coming back into her life and asking for help and sort of derailing those dreams because Callie's caught in this tug of war between helping her mom and um, trying to pursue like a stable life. And so when she's named on this trust, there's a part of her that says, hey, maybe this is the chance that, you know, if I sell this farm, my part of this inheritance could be what allows me to achieve the dreams that I want, as well as help my mom at the same time. But then when she meets Beckett, she questions herself, you know, do I have the right to steal someone else's stability in order to gain mine? Ooh, there's the conflict. Ooh, I love that. And it's fascinating, this topic, because... Uh, my father recently passed away and I'm the trustee of his trust. And so as you were talking, I thought, how would I have handled it if there was a stranger's name on my father's trust? I honestly don't know what I would have done. So that is so yeah. fascinating that you have that as that premise. What, what, uh, how did you come about this idea though? Well, it kind of started with the idea of bees mm -hmm. in general. Um, I knew that I wanted to write a book that features bees that you just, 
I continue to fall in love with them all over again every time that I work with them. And the cool thing about the bees in a beehive, the queen bee, the worker bee is the primary, the bees that take on the primary function of the hive are all female. And so I write books mm-hmm. with women um, fe- that heavily feature women and the issues that women are dealing with. And so it kind of lent a nice kind of this background for the bees and the women and the symbolism of the kind of the drama that happens inside a hive along with the drama that's happening in their life. Um, And so there were just different touch points in my life that kind of came into the writing of the story, but it was all kind of on the backdrop of um, life inside the hive. That's really neat because I have no idea what the hive, you know, what the life inside the hive would be like. So I think that's great that you were able to use that kind of give the reader a glimpse and how it ties into these two women. Oh, neat. So the two women, they kind of are thrown together in it. Do you find that in the beehives and such that all these females, are they able to work together or is there sometimes some fighting and drama that happens? Well, in the hive is really, it's a really well-ordered society and everybody has very specific roles. Nobody tells those worker bees what those roles are. You know, there's nurse bees that take care of the new bees. There are undertaker bees that take out the dead and who do the cleaning work of the hive. Um, And then there's foragers who go in and out of the hive, bringing in pollen and nectar and things like that. So they have this whole ordered system um, and it's all kind of functions around the queen bee. And so the only time that you have sort of issues with that kind of drama in the hive is if there happens to be a new queen that has hatched out because maybe the hive thought that the current queen wasn't doing well or she was going to die or things like that. And so then those two queens fight for who is going to be the queen of that hive. Um, Mm -hmm. So that kind of mirrors a little bit of what is going on with these two women. They kind of have one farm and two women and they're trying to figure out how this is going to work out in a way um, that is hopeful for both of them because they realize they are not, you know, obviously queen bees with a high fighting to the death, of course. But. Yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> metaphorically, but metaphorically, but there though. is some tension for sure. Yeah, the tension, the drama that's fascinating. I like how each of the bees have their roles, and in society, we have roles, but we tend to uh, start to go outside. You know, we don't stay in our lanes, we have to go in other people's <laughs> lanes. <laughs> So how did, as a counselor, how did you handle the, you know, approaching grief, uh, this, this untimely death and how grief affects people in different ways? Were you able to address that in your story? Yeah, I like to do a lot of work with my characters um, before I even start writing, just knowing who they are and what makes them tick. And one of my, I mean, favorite things about writing is the fact well, the idea of taking characters and making them become real to the reader. And if they're real to the reader, then they have to mirror reality. And something that I always find fascinating is you can take two people, put them through exactly the same circumstances, and it will affect them in completely different ways. Um, So I spend a lot of time building those characters and thinking about what it is that makes those characters tick, what motivates them, and how different things would impact them in different ways. Um, And so both of these women have experienced trauma in their life um, and both of them have reacted in very different ways. And so I did a lot of work um, exploring what that would be like, the types of things that it would 
life events that would need to take place in order for them to have a good authentic change journey. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that background and counseling that kind of plays into um, building these characters and thinking about what it would take for them to grow and change in a real and authentic way. And that's so true with um, developing characters. We need to have that backstory, that dark moment that happened in their past that informs who they are today. And that wound, you know, creates that wound that they're still struggling with even today. And uh, so that's wonderful that you're able to do that. Now, the name Beckett Walsh, I love that name. Where did you come up with that character name? (laughs) She had a different name for a little while, and I kept writing and writing, and I was like, this name just does not, um, that just doesn't make, it just doesn't (laughs) fit. It's like, it's not her. So I started researching names that were related to bees, and Beckett is a name that I found somewhere along the way that it's you you remember the old timey it's almost like these dome shaped um straw baskets that they people used to keep bees in a long time ago oh yeah mm-hmm. and so that a word for that in some language is beckett oh <laughs> fascinating so that's how she ended up beckett i'm like that just fits calling her beck just fit, fit her so much better than her previous name yeah, it's really unique. I love it. I love asking uh, writers how they come up with the various character names. And that one's very unique. I like that. That's a great back backstory. <laughs> <laughs> so what is next for Amanda Cox? What you working on now? I, what I'm working on now is a book that releases next summer. It is called Between the Sound and Sea. Ooh. And all of my stories have been set in Tennessee so far, but this story is about a Tennessee girl who faces kind of some upheaval in her small town. And so her friend gives, sends her this oddball job listing to be a project manager for the restoration of an abandoned lighthouse that an individual has purchased. And her dad's background is in construction. So she's grown up like in that field her entire life. Um, so she trades for at least a little while. She's going to trade being an event planner to, to being a project manager on this lighthouse. And she finds out the elderly gentleman who has bought this lighthouse kind of has his own secrets as to why he's purchased it um, that she's not really quite sure about. Some old stories that are a little painful for him. But as she's working on this lighthouse and restoring it, she finds some hidden lightkeeper logs inside the walls. Um, And the name on the log doesn't match any lightkeeper from the history. And so she starts learning some things about um, the lightkeeper and how kind of some 1940s World War II history in North Carolina played into the happenings on the island and why that man has bought the lighthouse. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a roundabout explanation of what I'm working on. Oh, no, I love that because we used to love the lighthouses when we lived in North Carolina. Uh, Lighthouses are just so mysterious and intriguing. So that's great that you created that story around it. And when is that book supposed to come out? Um, It will be August 2024. Oh, okay. Nice. And what's your writing process? Do you find with little ones at home and homeschooling that it's easier to write at night or are you a morning person? Not a morning person. I used (laughs) to write at night. 
uh, when everyone was asleep and I found myself getting more tired and tired. I think as the kids got older and I was pouring more into them during the day as far as like brain power, homeschool stuff. By the end of the day, I was just done. So I've been trying over the past few years to train myself to be a morning person. So I get up and write from about 5.30 until 8 every morning. And so that's kind of my time to just steadily write a little bit every day. Um, and But I joke and say that the only people that I can talk to at that time in the morning are my fictional people because <laughs> I am not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> oh, that's great. And... If folks visit your website, you're giving away a free short story if people sign up for your email, to get on your email list, correct? Yes, and it is a prequel to my debut novel, The Edge of Belonging. So it's a little prequel story that you can read in. I wrote it in a way that you can read it, you know, before or after, but it's a little story before the story. Oh, that's great. And I, I love the cover of that too. And so make sure you go to amandacoxwrites.com sign up to be on her email list and you can get a free short story the prequel to the edge of belonging amanda thank you so much for joining me today this has been so fascinating thank you again for having me it's been great to chat with you wasn't that great listening to amanda talk about he should have told the bees her life as a beekeeper and how she uses what goes on inside a beehive to inspire her storytelling I loved it. She's definitely inspired me to keep writing, to keep drafting amazing stories for readers. She was very inspiring. And I hope that you've been encouraged to keep going forward on your writing journey, one step at a time. And until next time, God bless.